Welcome to Theology Thursday, an ecumenical space for students to discuss matters of faith and theology. I'm your host, Connor Grubbs. I am your co-host, Ryan Mock. And I'm your co-co-host, Johnny Grubbs. First episode of 2021, guys. We did it, we did it. And we are very close to episode 100. By the way, if you would like to join us at Maple Street Biscuit Company in Seminole, Florida for the 100th episode event, you gotta go buy your tickets now. The link is in the thing. You have uh, not a whole lot of time left. You gotta go buy your tickets. Uh, It includes a t-shirt, a meal, and then you'll ask your question there in advance for us to do it at the live recording. We're super excited about that. It's going to be fantastic. Also, we just launched our Patreon. If you've missed that, uh, that's open. So there's a few tiers, um, a 5 a 10 and a $15 a month tier. So either, uh, if, you, if you're $5 a month, you get um, a weekly after show. Um, and then if you're at $10 a month, you get the weekly after show plus a monthly brand new podcast called Worship Wednesdays. And then if you're tier three, $15 a month, you get all of that plus all of our merch. You'll get the t-shirt that we've just released, but you'll also, and it's exclusive. This is only to Patreons and people coming to the 100th episode event. But then anytime in the future, if we release like a new hat or a new design of a t-shirt or whatever, it automatically gets shipped to you at no extra cost if you are a tier three Patreon. So, pretty cool. And it helps us, you know, grow the show and improve the quality of what we're doing from a technical standpoint. So, uh, yeah, if, if you feel led to do that in any way, it's certainly a blessing to us. Now, it's time for subpoints. The first subpoints of the new year. Mm. And uh, I believe I'll start us off talking about something that probably everybody's seen by now because there are memes everywhere about this. Um, and that would be Amen and All Woman. <laughs> so, uh, look, if you haven't heard about this by now, there was a U.S. congressman who uh, closed his prayer, an opening prayer at a event, by saying Amen. And a woman. Now, if you aren't aware, uh, <laughs> Amen funny. has nothing to do with gender. Uh, <laughs> it is a Hebrew and slash English word that means uh, so be it. Uh, so it's a, a declaration of agreement with something. So uh, for him to add a woman at the end, um, kind of ridiculous. Now, this Congress member was also is is an ordained United Methodist minister. So it's not like they just asked some random guy. They're like, oh, hey, could you pray? And like, he didn't know like what, what any of this meant. He's familiar with uh, prayer and Christianity. All but this he stuff. didn't really, it was a dad joke, right? He wasn't no, trying no, no. to be that's, inclusive. That's what this subpoint's about. Oh, so, no. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. There's lots of great memes about it. You know, you have you have the singer, uh, when Amin falls in love with a woman. Um, and you have uh, Anakin from Attack the Clones. Not just the Amin, but the A-woman and the A-children, too. And uh, they're just, they're, it goes on and on. You have a Mandalorian and a woman DeLorean. There, there's just multiple memes going around about this. But here's where the meme starts to get a little scary. So Emmanuel Cleaver, who is the man who said a man and a woman, got a lot of backlash about this um, over the past few weeks. And he decided to respond to this backlash. Oh, boy. Um, and 
I was very surprised because I thought maybe this was a silly mistake or an ill-timed dad joke, but rather this was extremely intentional, oh, and boy. he has come forward to defend himself. Oh no. Okay, so you should have just said it was a joke. Even if he like he did mean something by it, it was his chance to be like, "Oh, I was just kidding." You know, that would be better than whatever this is going to be. Yeah, he said that anybody who has criticized him saying a man and a woman is has proved themselves soiled by selfishness, perverted by prejudice, and unveiled by ideology. What does that even mean? The only thing I'm veiled with by here is language. Like, it's not... Amen is not a gendered word. Right. It has nothing to do with that. And he claims that the A Woman reference on Sunday was intended to recognize the ne- the record number of women serving in the new Congress. Um, that's a great sentiment, but... Uh, the execution Yeah. Was, why didn't you just... Thank the Lord for representation of women in Congress. <laughs> right. There were lots of other ways to do that. There was, say, congratulations to for a record number of women in Congress. And you could have said, just like you said in your prayer, just thank you, Lord, for a record number of women. And you didn't have to say amen and a woman. Now, personally... Unless you just wanted to make a joke. Right. Now, personally, I part of me wonders if this was a mistake or if he genuinely thought that amen had something to do with gender and that's why he did it and he's just trying to justify it to cover his tracks, or if this was all extremely intentional and thought through and he really wanted to do this and is sticking by it. It's fishy to me. But now for everybody who uh, has criticized him is, is prejudice. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. <laughs> um, I, I think it's humorous, and there's it's a lot very of great things to come of it. Yeah, so. it's very funny. And all of God's people said, Ah, woman. Um, so... Ryan, you're next up. Yeah, so I just wanted to... Last week... No, well, it wasn't last week. I don't know when exactly this released. But I mentioned I mentioned a, a book that I was in the process of reading. Uh, you Are What You Love by James K. Smith. And I just finished it. And I want to, to give it uh, a recommend... I don't want to recommend it to you because I think it was a great book. It's Ultimately, it's about... How our habits form us as human beings, and why it is important uh, to to have worship as a central part of your life, uh, because uh, our our habits form our character, our virtue, and uh, and we are what we love. And that's I mean that's the title of the book. Uh, but that's his thesis: is that as human beings, we're not primarily thinking things we do think you know i think therefore i am but primarily we are loving beings we we love and our hearts and our minds go towards what we love and so our habits are um our habits are indicators of what we love and so as christians we need to have habits that are christ-centered so that we could be formed we could be formed in love and in truth. And part of that is worship. And so he makes a strong case in his book about that. Uh, he also makes a strong case for high liturgy. Uh, but that's probably a discussion for a different time. Uh, but it was, very, it was a very good book because it helped me process some things I was already thinking, but putting it into words. Uh, so I would recommend that. You Are What You Love by James K.A. Smith. Very good. That's that's it. That's all I have I to just say. added it to my want-to-read list on Apple Books. Good. Good. That's good, Connor. I hope you enjoy. 
I will. Hey, Johnny. So, I watched the movie Soul. I watched that movie, too. I, I did also. And now I'm a transcendentalist. Nice. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So basically, this episode is a warning to everybody. Do not watch Soul or you'll probably leave the faith. No, it certainly is not a very theological movie. But um, it was, I don't want to give spoilers away, but it was a good movie about, it had some good themes. Yeah, I, I honestly, I viewed the film more as, it seemed to me as though its aim was more meant to be philosophical rather than theological, yeah. as far as the points that it was trying to get yeah. across. I don't think it was trying to push a worldview on us. No. Um, I, I think, but and I think the ultimate message that it had, without spoiling too much, was good. Yeah. Yeah, basically it was, it was just trying to communicate that, like, you know, while purpose is important, we don't want to get so caught up in it that we miss out on life, you know. And um, I think it, it, it was about appreciating the blessings that you have and appreciating the life that you have. Well, and, and, and here, here's what I'll say. Um, there's a particular scene in the movie that kind of drives this point home. And it involves a piano, so I'm just going to say that so I don't spoil it. But if you've seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about, because it's the scene that made you cry, as every Pixar movie has one. Mm-hmm. Especially Cars 2. Oh um, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it, it, this particular scene, I actually thought had such a powerful point um, that actually very much does line up with... Um, with some points of theology that I've talked about here several times when it comes to uh, our God-given purpose and design. Um, Because I think a lot of times we try to separate, you know, the spiritual and the natural and and these seemingly mundane things get brushed off to the side even though these day-to-day things that we do, spending time with people, enjoying God's creation, sharing a meal... Like, that's part of God's design for man, and these are things that we'll get to do in eternity. The difference is we won't have sin, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's what we have to look forward to, and we'll be fully in God's presence. But the point being is we're oftentimes Christians look for this grander purpose to latch on to, not realizing that even in the day-to-day simple parts of our life, that's God's design for us, and it pleases Him. And so, honestly, I thought that um, that message was put forth beautifully, and it's something that Christians need, you know. And, and when you put that in the context of Christian doctrine, it, you know, and, yeah. and, and eternity, it really does. Elevate Absolutely, it. in the context of, of Christian doctrine, it, it, to say that life is meaningful takes on a, an, another form under Christianity. To say that life is is meaningful and that. The things that we do every day have eternal value because that was kind of the the point of the movie is it's like i don't know you can compare it it's not separate I, you're, you're absolutely right sometimes we're like we, we gotta think about the higher meaning like there it's evacuation theology we got to get out of here and jump right. into heaven we got to get out of here and jump to the next best thing right and um but in reality like it's happening now god's kingdom is is happening now yes yeah, that was kind of the point of the movie is that his life was happening now, and it wasn't like he was just trying to get to his life. I got yeah. I wanted my life to begin. Yeah, and I think it's easily here. Here's the thing: I think the movie was intentionally done in a way that it's applicable to any worldview, um, right. but I think it's very easily applicable to a Christian worldview. Right. Um, mm-hmm. The the ultimate message. So anyway, yeah, it's a good movie. You should watch it. Yeah, yeah. 
There's a cat in it. Also, your soul looks like a blue blob of yourself. <laughs> it's pretty yes. cute. Yes. <laughs> your soul is very cute. That's the moral of the story. You, you have a cute soul. <laughs> Joel Osteen. Um, so, moving on to our main topic. All right, so this isn't addressing a specific question, but recently we had an episode where we talked about a number of different things, and ultimately it led to brief conversation about creation and creationism and some of these things and johnny was like hey we should do a whole episode on that so now we're doing it go ahead johnny (laughs) okay well here we go um yeah so i have a little bit of beef with um the whole uh pushing uh seven day young earth creationism as essential to the faith that bothers me Mm -hmm. does that bother you boys yeah it does Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm bothered now. You, you just, you just <laughs> got, got me all heated. <laughs> I'm bothered by the fact that you would say that, and you're a heretic. So let me let me preface this whole thing saying like, um, I, I I'm I'm weird, and you'll I yes. mean you guys know that already. But <laughs> thank you for the preface. <laughs> we don't need a whole episode for that, Johnny. <laughs> I'm not I'm not convinced of the old Earth narrative. I'm not convinced of the young Earth narrative. I think in essence I am for all intents and purposes a seven-day creationist but i'll kind of explain what that means in context of the hebrew bible um so i guess i'm a middle earth <laughs> creationist <laughs> <laughs> you know i'm creating a new thing here um uh but th- i think the point is you have these these things that are all about answers and having all the answers and we don't have all the answers and i and I, i'm going to kind of demonstrate i hope during the course of this podcast they're both on the and in the fields of academia and uh and in christianity there is a temptation to use an ulterior motive to uh to make a point and in doing so you present things as facts that aren't facts mm-hmm. and, and i can explain that further but here's the real problem what is genesis one about mm. right what's your point blank answer to that question God made the universe. Wrong! What? Connor, what is Genesis 1 about? Ken Ham! (laughs) (laughs) I like Ham. (laughs) No, okay, so the theme that's flowing through the Hebrew text is this idea of, and if you uh, read a guide, and you can read several different scholars, and I've read a lot of scholarship on this, but Mm. uh, John Walton is is a good one. Um, to look at, but if you look at the original Hebrew text, it's all about God bringing bringing chaos into order. And if you look at the order of things, it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, mm-hmm. and then it starts to talk about how God ordered systems. And so it's really about how God formed the systems that we see on Earth, land and water, creatures, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. Right? Yeah. Uh, he's bringing chaos and he's bringing it into order. That is the central theme of Genesis 1. The book also functioned, um, and God must have inspired um, whoever the author was, we believe it was probably Moses, but um, inspired the author to also write in contrast to the other creation narratives that were kind of bubbling up around the area. So for example, um, it talks about how God um, made the stars, right? Um, And divided the light into stars. Um, and then it, it just keeps going. Um, 
Well, the other nations around them deified the stars. And so by doing that, they were making a statement. The, the creation's not supposed to be worshipped, but the creator, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it, it kind of de-emphasizes the actual act of creation and emphasizes the creator um, very, very intentionally in the book. So it's about Yahweh. It's about God and about his ability to order chaos into beauty and non-chaos. So are you telling me that Genesis 1 is not to be read as a science textbook? Well, that's very important as well. <laughs> it's not a science textbook. Well, none of the Bible's meant to be read as a science textbook. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, most Old Testament scholars agree that the Hebrew word of like the day is a 24-hour period. Um, it's hard to get around that. Um, but the Bible doesn't tell us if time transpires between the ordering of the days. And when we consider that Genesis doesn't tell us how the earth is physically created, it just doesn't. It just mm-hmm. isn't God spoken into being, that he was the one behind it. Yeah. Um, the seven days, it, it came into order by God's design and authority. Like, we have a lot of possibilities about when they occurred. Time may have transpired between them, and then, boom, God brought that into order. And then time transpired, and he brought that chaos into order. We really don't know... Um, Again, the Hebrew text gives us a lot of possibilities because, as Ryan pointed out, it is an ancient Near Eastern text, not a textbook. You know, yeah. it, it, it's a it, it's about God. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Um, so th- the reason Genesis doesn't give us these details is because it's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. And so there's a danger when you start to try to give credence to a book that Jesus has already given credence to when he said not one iota of the law of the prophets is going to disappear. You know, he, he gave credence to the Torah. Um, we're trying to do it in our own way. I think sometimes even in the flesh and it's led to a lot of problems. And that leads me to my proposal about this. This is your, is this your, your thesis statement right here? Kind of. Not to give us. Kind of. And this isn't like a really broad overview of all of the views. Uh, I probably should have put that together. Um, but I think, I think generally speaking, there's a, and there's, there's all kinds of stuff in between, but just to give you a broader picture, there's the young earth view, which believes that the earth is very, very young. Uh, if you are extremely rigid in the fundamentalist camp, I think it's about five or 6,000 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, very young. Um, and, you know, it was seven consecutive days back to back. Um, and you can scientifically prove that. Uh, you can't. You cannot scientifically prove that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I, I may get a lot of hate for that. Um, but that's what they're saying. And I, I, that, I think that's why it bothers me. But we have this problem in secularism, too. And I'll explain. <clears throat> Academia and fundamentalist young earth creationists... Mm-hmm. Both present facts as facts that aren't definitively facts to support their biases. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you... I'm not following. What okay. You're so, <clears throat> rejecting evolutionary theory, okay, or scientific proposals about the age of the Earth, uh, does not equal rejecting mainstream science altogether. And this also works in reverse. Uh, in principle, I don't throw out mainstream science. That doesn't mean. I feel I have enough theoretical information to accept evolution or a very specific age of the earth or even the universe. 
doesn't mean I, I feel like I have enough evidence at my disposal. It doesn't mean that I reject science. Mm -hmm. Okay. So <laughs> this was the main point of like uh, a documentary that came out about uh, intelligent design. And it's called Ben Stein. Well, it's not called Ben Stein, but it was done by Ben I Stein. I love Ben Stein. It's a great movie. <laughs> it, was called, it was called Expelled. And basically, he was chronicling the fact that there were all these teachers coming forward saying, well, you know, since this is theoretical, and the people at the top in academia are like, whoa, 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 theoretical. No, 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 we teach evolution as fact here. And they're like, whoa, whoa, no, it's theoretical. And because it's theoretical, I was just thinking maybe there was some, not even God, but just some kind of, interference so that the probability is better in, in like an evolutionary process or something like that some kind of intelligent interference so that it's not just a slot machine and they're like what if what if that's the case and, and they're like no, no 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 it's just the evolution it's darwinism it's 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 it, right take it as fact and that's intellect that's just as intellectually dishonest as saying we can scientifically prove that the, that the earth was created in seven consecutive days hmm. um so Academia is increasingly becoming unkind to people who treat theoretical sciences as theoretical, um, and it's because it it challenges the majority worldview within that. And and can I say I do think the reason a lot of hardcore staunch young Earth seven day creationism has emerged, I do think is an, in some sense reactionary to that. Right. To yes. teaching evolution as fact. Yeah. Which, by the way, I don't agree with. <laughs> right. That's wrong. We shouldn't be... Because that is imposing a theoretical, like, worldview interpretation of things onto students as fact. But that's completely wrong. I, I, don't, I don't think that they should know. I, th I still think sh students should learn it. Yeah. But they should know that it's a theory. You know, yeah. they should know that even Darwin knew that it was a theory. <laughs> you know, he never claimed this to be scientific fact. Um, uh, in the same way that I think as we teach, you know, these ideas about creationism and all these things, that this is a theory. Now, also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw my hat out there. I am a seven-day young earth creation. I don't like using those labels because of everything that comes with it, but that is kind of where I lean. That's what I, I personally believe because I think that's where the evidence leans heavily. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I was not there. <laughs> there yeah. is no way to 100% prove what I believe. I lean that way, but at the end of the day, what matters is that God created the earth. It was perfect. And man brought sin into it. Mm. However many years it took for all that to happen doesn't really change the gospel. And that's the problem is that this was kind of in, in reaction to uh, what was happening in the education system. Th these things came up, but it started to alienate a lot of Christians who maybe did believe in evolution. And now are being told that their salvation was at stake because of it. Mm -hmm. That's wrong. Yeah. And here's the hot take, and I don't know, cancel me, but, you know, Ken Ham's whole thing is answers in Genesis. Mm -hmm. Well, the answers <laughs> to the questions he asks are not in Genesis, because that's not what the book is about. Mm -hmm. And it, 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 it drives me crazy to no end, because I really love um, studying the Hebrew Bible and the Torah, and it's just it, it's just crazy. But but you're right, it, it was a reaction. But again, it's hard to claim that this is biblical or, or important to biblical doctrine when it's just reaction to spillover, you know, to academia. And I would, I would like to add real quick, um, 
to throw my hat out on the table, um, because everybody else has, uh, I, I'm an old earth creationist, yet I am also, I lean towards theistic evolution. Uh, I am sympathetic towards the position, uh, and I could probably be convinced of it if somebody really sat down and talked to me about it. Um, I want to make clear to people that theistic evolution is not opposed to Christianity. You yeah. could be you could be a Christian and believe in evolution. Um, a, a, a big example I'll give you is Timothy Keller, uh, a, a, a well-known uh, pastor and preacher today. Uh, he he is a theistic evolutionist. Um, I think um, we we put too much. We put too much stock in this, right? Yeah. Uh, on the fundamentalist side, uh, on um, on the twenty-four hours, six day, uh, six days, the world was created. Um, I don't want. I wouldn't want anybody to feel like my salvation is at stake because I believe in evolution. You know, um, ev- how the earth was created was not. It's not in the Apostles' Creed. It's not in the Nicene Creed. And I'll also add this. The early church uh, had many very different opinions on this. Actually, in fact, many of the early church fathers, particularly I'd point to Augustine, believed that Genesis 1 was allegorical. That, that's, that how it, that's how it should be interpreted, as an allegory. Uh, and many of the church fathers had that hermeneutic uh, uh, for interpreting the, uh, much of the Old Testament. Is, it's an allegory. Um, I would still consider them Christians. Um, I don't think we should throw that out, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something worth considering. And so this whole idea of six-day, 24-hour-day creation, the earth is 6,000 years old, it's a, in church history, it's a relatively new idea. Um, yeah. So let's not, I would say, let's not put too much stock in it. You know, you but, could believe in either uh, and be a Christian. Yeah, no, and a, and a couple things I'd add to that. I mean, uh, the Lutheran Church actually funded most of Darwin's research, like you know, there were there were times when, like, this was just very different in the church. Like you said, it's a it's a recent development for that to be kind of the prominent Christian view. But also, um, I understand why some people get concerned about the interpreting Genesis one as allegorical, mm-hmm. because the thing that people always say is, well, if we decide that that's an allegory and that's literal, well, now we're just picking and choosing. Mm-hmm. And, and my response to that would be. Okay, you can't just pick and choose which parts of the Bible are literal and allegorical, but there are ways to study based on the type of literature, the way it's written, the context in which it's written, to figure out which parts of the Bible are literal and allegorical. There are actually ways to do this in the book of Revelation. We've talked about that before. Like, So you can't just pick and choose willy-nilly. But if you're taking the time to study and somebody has maybe leans towards that or is sympathetic towards that view, that doesn't mean they're going to hell. Right. Yeah. But you do have to be careful with that because you can't you just start going and being like, ah, oh, this passage is literal, but that, that one because I don't like that one. Like, yeah. you can't do that. The, the, key, the key to biblical interpretation, and I'm sure we've said this before, is we interpret the Bible literally in the sense we interpret it as the author of the Bible wanted it to be interpreted. So when we come to poetry, we interpret poetry as poetry, not uh, literal. If we look at Genesis 1, I'll give you just a quick example. If we were to take Genesis 1 literally, by the words literally, then we would have to believe that the sky is a dome. 
because that word, I don't have the, the Hebrew word right in front of me, but the Hebrew word, uh, the connotation there is actually of, of rock, uh, of a dome. And so that's how... So the earth is flat. So the earth is flat and we have a dome over us. <laughs> and so obviously... I, I don't believe that the, the earth is flat and I, I don't believe there's a dome over us. So obviously there, there's something off there. That's, we shouldn't interpret that uh, literally. And so right. and, a, well, just one last quick thought. The, it, and the point is not that we're trying to convince you one way or the other. What we're saying is that this is not a salvation issue. Mm-hmm. Tim Keller advocates for evolution. I do not. I still have great respect for Tim Keller. And he's one of my favorite living authors. Now, a lot of people canceled him simply because of the theistic evolution thing. Everything he said we're going to throw out now. I'm not going to do that because I know that it's not, uh, it's not a salvation issue. It's not an right. orthodox Christianity issue. Yeah. I, I'm certainly not convinced of, of theistic evolution at this point. But I, I do hate making it inessential because if, you know... If Ken Ham's stuff could be, and I hate to use him, but he's just the most hardcore fundamentalist we've got right now in, in, in this camp. But if, if something came out that just definitively, like, here it is, like, physically, you can see it proved, all of that stuff kind of falls apart. Would we just throw out the entire Bible and just be like, oh, crap, we missed it, you know, like, we don't get it. Like, like would that affect our salvation? Would that affect our faith? And I, I would argue that it, it shouldn't. And... You know, I think like we, we read, we read Genesis literally the like you said the way that the author intended the author it intended it, and and what's the meaning behind it? Okay, we know that the earth is not a dome, but or, or that the sky is not a dome, you know, a rocky dome or whatever. Um, but we do know that the author was trying to communicate that the earth was formless, you know, that, 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 it, that we still need, there was still work to do. So I, I don't know, you can always dig down deeper and get to a literal thing. I, I think that there's so much Genesis doesn't give us. Yeah. yeah. And you know what's interesting? I think all three of us kind of have varying opinions on how the earth was created, how old the earth is, but none of us get our opinions from Genesis 1. Um, right. Because we, 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 we all see that Genesis 1 is not a science textbook. It's not to be interpreted as such. We, we view Genesis 1, even though we all have varying opinions on how old the earth is or whatnot, uh, we believe that primarily Genesis 1 is uh, a theological treatise teaching us something about God. And who he is. So this is more of an unknown than we like to admit. And that's really the point here. Whether you're a secularist who's trying to... Uh, even if you're subversively doing it, and it happens, trying to defend atheism, you know, and, and all of a sudden your science gets skewed by your worldview, even if you're an atheist. And, and that's one of the things that Expelled reveals that, you know, uh, we, you know, we, getting on Ken Ham for doing it with, you know, Genesis, but, you know, it's, it's done all the time in the academic community with evolution. And then we don't get a real good picture of what that theory actually is. Right. Um, so um, here's the thing. The, the whole movement to, to teach our kids young earth or nothing, right? The young earth is the only way to, to read the Bible. Came about because they saw it as like a fundamental, like during the Scopes Monkey Trial and some of those things. They saw it as a fundamental reason we're losing their kids. Okay, we're losing our kids to evolutionary theory. I'm going to give a hot take here. They're wrong. Biblical illiteracy is what pulls the rug out from under our kids. Okay, um, Genesis is not about the earth being 5,000 years old or even the origin of species. So some of these attempts to convince the church 
to define things we can't actually perpetuates biblical illiteracy that leads to kids walking away. Because what we're doing, and, and Answers in Genesis is guilty of this, and I, I, hate, I hate that I, I normally don't call out like one organization and just be like, Ooh, Johnny's <laughs> really getting heated then, he's calling but, people out. But I, I was given the curriculum one time to teach kids, I'm like, I can't teach them this. Because cause, cause here's the thing, I don't know that it's completely true, that the earth is exactly 5,000 years old, and there's a, there's a lesson where you have a birthday for the earth, and you color the candles, which say 5,000 on top of the cake. So they have an earth day too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, so what happens if they get to school? I've just told them, this is essential to your faith. And then they get to college, and somebody says, that's not true, and they believe them then they think that their faith is somehow attached. Just like Santa Claus. <laughs> okay. Well, and, and the example, and we've talked about this before, is is this is a part of Rhett and Link's story. Right. When, when they left the faith, one of the first things that they were confronted with is the creation debate, you know? If you allow, and again, it's, it's, it's about being firm, but room to breathe. The best analogy... I, I got from, a, I was sitting on the Tom Stewart Causeway Bridge, which is a local bridge here. We're sit, I'm sitting there, and it's dead stop traffic. It's shaking a little bit, and I'm like, this is kind of a flimsy bridge. And my wife, who's an architect, she goes, it's actually a really strong bridge because you need um, a bridge to give a little bit in the right places so that the weight is distributed evenly across the bridge. If it doesn't move, it's more likely to crumble. Hmm. And I thought it was such a great picture of this because it's firm. It's a bridge. Like it's going to stay up, and then we're going to go across it. But at the same time, it's got room to breathe. You know what I mean? And that's what we need for our kids. We do need a solid foundation. I'm not saying I'm not a secularist. I mean, theologically, I'm conservative. I, I don't believe in theistic evolution. You know, I'm, I'm for the most part, I'm theologically conservative. Um, but I, I know that these things are not essential, and that we can explore. The origin of species outside of Genesis because those things really exist outside of Genesis. That, 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 that's the sphere we're supposed to explore those things. Um, and so I actually think that this whole thing of trying to get our kids to believe a, 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 an exact doctrine of, of creation that is not in the Bible um, is actually making the problem worse when it comes to kids walking away. Um, and so I just think that leaving it open is better. So um, I think secular and Christian thinkers alike have done a disservice by uh, forsaking intellectual honesty and peddling facts as facts, peddling evolutionary theory as fact, peddling young earth as fact. It's all theoretical. It's all theoretical science. We're, we're still trying to figure it out. And I think uh, we need to get back to theoretical language. Listen. There are a lot of things with the Young Earth view that I'm convinced of, but if I discuss it with my students, uh, for example, I have a student who is, by the way, still still walking with the Lord, even as he, he, he explores these different things, um, I always say the reason I think evolution is unlikely is because dot, 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 dot. right? Mm-hmm. That That's honest language. That's, that's called intellectual honesty. The reason I think evolution is unlikely, or the reason I think a Young Earth is likely, dot, 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 right? We're all just making educated guesses, and we need to be humble enough to own that and not make the Bible do something it was not meant to do and miss out on a beautiful Hebrew prose um, about how God brought all of this that we see into order and will one day restore it in its perfect form, you know? Um, I don't want to belabor the point, but I did take an excerpt from my Zondervan commentary. that I thought was really good. 
or sorry, this is Nelson's. Sorry, Nelson's. I, I want you with um, Sonnerman. Uh, uh, it says, of course, these two chapters are not written in terms of modern science, but neither are they written in what uh, in what would have passed for science in the ancient times. If the Bible had been written in the scientific language of its day, it would have been little more than a relic today. Had it been written in the scientific language of the Middle Ages, it would have been a mystery to its readers and nonsense to us. Had it been written in the scientific language of our own day, it would have been unintelligible to prior generations and, to be sure, a relic in future years. These first chapters of Genesis reveal God's identity as creator in language that makes sense to every sort of audience. The chapters spoke to the first people on the move at the dawn of Hebrew history. Over the ages, they have spoken to ancient and medieval peoples, and today they speak to people from all backgrounds. The modern person sometimes wonders why the language is not more precise, yet these chapters do not aim at precision. Their aim is clarity concerning one certain truth. God created the heavens and, and the earth. I like that. Yeah, that, that was good. That was, that was a good summary of kind of what we've, what we've discussed here today. Yeah. Well, look, uh, so I, I just want to want to throw in just kind of some resources for further study. If, if you are interested in this kind of thing, because there's some people in my life who I really respect, like my grandfather and my wife, who are much smarter than me, who have talked to me about, you know, creationism and some of these things. And um, while for them it's certainly not the reason that they're saved, there's certain things that they've learned about science and the Bible that have strengthened their faith and, and, and that have been encouraging them. So, so if you're really into science, here are some resources I want to recommend to you. Because one of the most prominent ones out there is, and we bashed it multiple times today, um, is Answers in Genesis. Here's the thing. A lot of people might remember the Ken Ham-Bill Nye debate. It was pitiful. <laughs> it was really... Because Ken Ham has a bachelor's degree in science. That's all he has. I, Everybody that works at Answers in Genesis is more educated than he is. So he he's kind of the, this mascot for this organization. But when that happened, it was really embarrassing. I mean, it was uh, thankfully Ken Ham doesn't represent me, but it was still it was just. Yeah. I remember watching it in school, going to a private Christian school, and I'm just like, he just kept saying, "Well, there's a book, there's a Bible." Uh, he didn't have any answers to any of Bill Nye's questions. Um, and, and all that being said. That's not, I think, a great resource to go to for, like, solid scientific study from a Christian worldview. What I would recommend, however, is um, the Institute for Creation Research. Now, that still sounds like hardcore seven-day creationists, and they do call themselves creationists, but that's not Institute for Creation Research. They're saying anything that we're researching scientifically is God's creation. So it's not just about, you know... Uh, Genesis 1 or anything like that, whereas Answers in Genesis is literally called Answers in Genesis, as if that's where we get all of our scientific answers. Yeah, that goes back to what I was saying. Yeah. One, one is very theoretical and one is very... Um, so I, I'm actually recommending, um, not everything, because I haven't seen or heard everything they've done, but I am recommending Institute for Creation Re uh, Research as a resource if you want to study science from a Christian worldview. They do have a lot of good resources Everybody on their staff, uh, the one I'm most familiar with is Dr. Jason Lyle, but they all have PhDs from secular universities um, and in science, and these are smart people, okay? And in some of the lectures I've seen, I didn't even fully understand. 
um, but they had to do with math, and they had to do with all these different things and how they see God's beauty in these things. Now, that is a worthwhile pursuit, okay? If that's what you're... Now, for me, I don't know that much about science and math, so I don't appreciate it as much. But when I hear my grandfather and my wife talking to each other about these things, or my wife explaining some of these things, and I see how it strengthened their faith, and they see God's design and beauty in those things, that's great. Um, idolizing a certain interpretation of one chapter of the Bible is not. <laughs> um, so I say all that to say that as a Christian, you can still study science and see God in those things, um, and and it be a really beautiful experience. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a resource you can go check out. Um, again, our link to our Patreon if you want to uh, join in supporting us, and the link to buy tickets for Theology Thursday 100 are right there in the link. And if you have any questions you want us to answer, you can send them to us at theologythursdaypodcast at gmail.com. Or you can message us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. What is our what are our handles for that? Is that just theology at theology? Twitter is tpod. Tpod. T T. T. I I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Link in the show notes. <laughs> uh, and then Instagram is Theology Thursday Podcast, and Facebook is Theology Thursday Podcast. Twitter I had to shorten it because it wouldn't let me. Ooh. They got those those small little handles there. So check it all out, and uh, we look forward to joining you again for another episode of Theology Thursday next week. Ryan, Amen, and a woman, and yah yeet. <laughs> <laughs>